Hello and welcome back to the season finale of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we are discussing episode 22 of season 5, A House is Not a Home. Um, Lots to discuss in this episode. So much to discuss. I hate this episode. Yes, but before we get into that, in case Eleni sounds congested, because she is, but not in a sexy way, as she told me earlier. Not in a sexy way. <laughs> well, you could like make try and make it sexy. You know, like when on Friends when Phoebe was oh. was sick and she was trying to be the sexy singer voice. Yeah, but <laughs> no, no, just no. I was gonna say something, but no, no. <laughs> I'm just congested. I'm sick. That's it. Okay. There will be no sexiness. Your call. I'm shutting it down. <laughs> yeah, a lot to discuss this episode. A house is not a home. Originally thought, well, I still think that it has a lot to do with the Twickham house. Yeah. Um, and how just because you buy a house doesn't mean, like, just because you buy a house doesn't mean you can keep it a secret forever, Luke. Yeah, and also... The like, I devil. can't believe... Do you understand that I cannot believe that he's signing fucking papers and he still hasn't uttered a word to Lorelai? Yeah. Like, on what planet is this normal? Especially... Like, that to me signals just... How... Li- like, how intimacy-challenged he is. You know? Like, do you think that's doing something nice? It's just such a stupid man thing to do in, in such an extreme way. Yeah, I don't know if it's a man thing. I just think it's stupid. Yeah. It like transcends gender. Yeah. It's just stupidity at this point. Especially considering that like he never like you know like he, like he never even said boo. Like Lorelai never even expressed interest. It's not as if like seeing a ring in a window one time and oh your your partner says, Well, oh, I really like that ring, and you you go back and you get it for them or something as a gift, as a surprise, and then they never saw it coming. Like she never once said, like, oh, I'd love to live in the huge ass Twickham house. Like she's never given you any indication that she wants to leave her home. Yeah. You know, you guys spend a lot of time at her house. That's where she raised her child. She bought it, you know, when she was working her ass off as a maid. You know, like think a little, you idiot. He also hasn't, she also hasn't expressed any interest at this, at this point in having more kids. So. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that whole fucking, I call it a breakdown because it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she hasn't, I mean, we're, we're meant to believe that things are going well between them and for all intents and purposes, they are, mm-hmm. but you still have to have some kind of conversation about your future. If you're thinking about your future so much wouldn't you want to bring it up to your partner? Yeah, for sure. Excuse me. Had a cough. <laughs> because, but you know, like, especially if you're considering like buying a house, like signing in the, in the phase of signing papers. Yeah. At, at, at which point do you stop? Like at what point does it stop being like this big surprise gift or something? Like it's an investment in your future. So you need to at least have a little bit of a conversation about that, which he has not. I, I just think it's one of the dumbest things that Luke has done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, also just like, a, it wasn't even, it wasn't even an, an interesting storyline. It was just there. I mean, it was when it first started, like when it was first brought up and Luke was volunteering at the museum because he was interested, 
I was like, oh, okay, well, they're thinking, the writers are thinking about their future, you know? But then the more time went on and the more secretive he was getting with it, I was like, when, when, when? <laughs> when are we going to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was a mess, but anyways. And ironically, in the mo- like in the episode with the museum where, where Luke is helping out and it's kind of a bit of a foreshadow to, oh, maybe the the writers, like you said, are thinking about Lorelai and uh, Luke's future as a couple. That's kind of like when we when we said started to say that the the creatively the show was starting to go to shit. So it's like in the moment you think, oh, like that's a good foreshadow. Like where where might this lead? Nowhere, bitch. It leads nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I think more insulting than the fact more insulting than Luke trying to like buy a house as a surprise as a get whatever it was he was trying to do more mm-hmm. insulting than that is that it never goes anywhere in terms of like they never have an actual conversation about it no it's brought up in season six in passing mm-hmm. but we never actually get as viewers closure with that whole storyline i think the closure was implied when they when in season six they decided to renovate lorelei's house and stay there but no. like it wasn't that was still poorly executed no because when we get to season six i have thoughts about that as well okay okay fucking rude (laughs) rude anyways um let's talk about i don't know what you want to do do you want (laughs) to talk about rory lorelei picking up rory from prison and having their talk Roy the Felon. Yeah, sure. Roy the Felon. Grand Theft Boating. <laughs> Episode turn... title, Grand Theft Boating. No, I'm good. <laughs> good. Um, By the way, if you type in Grand Theft Boating into Google, the first thing that comes up is a Reddit thread that's called, is it called Grand Theft Auto if you steal a boat instead of a car? <laughs> Probably not, because it's not an auto. Probably not. I mean, who I knows? Think... Okay. I don't know. <laughs> In any event. Um... So Lorelai goes to pick up Rory from the police station and she's very chatty um, because she's nervous, obviously. And she starts, you know, telling the police officer, is she going to be in the system? She never gets in trouble. She goes to Yale, you know, all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Colin and Finn walk in to pick up Logan. Like it's nothing. Like it's nothing because there's a couple of instances in this episode where we we hear about the fact that it isn't anything for them because they've done it before and Logan's gotten into trouble before and his father's lawyers handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think what's really telling in this scene is that until Rory has this kind of aha moment in the car later on, I don't yeah. think she's like feeling any, anything really at this point. Like, no, my, my first thought about, like the whole interaction from the police station to the car is like you can see the disconnect between mother and daughter happen in real time in this episode where Lorelai and Rory are still kind of on the same page when the episode starts where they're each kind of having their own separate breakdown and obviously Rory's feeling like just numb and blank until all of a sudden in the car it hits her like I committed a crime I went to jail I'm now, you know, have to go to court and whatever. So, you know, like when Lorelai goes into the diner, she has a bit of a, a the same meltdown as Rory has in the car like a few minutes later. So 
that's what so like Lorelai is then on a different page as Rory because at that point Rory's already, already starting to think like oh well maybe journalism is not for me like maybe I don't have what it takes like maybe I want to do something else and Lorelai is just now spiraling that oh my gosh my perfect beautiful ambitious daughter is now not going to fulfill the dreams that she's had since she's three because you know that's just such a healthy concept to begin with and it all goes to shit from there yeah I mean I think in the car when they get to Stars Hollow Lorelai's still in shock but so is Rory yeah um like you said I don't think it's hit her really like what she's done mm-hmm. um and the thing is Lorelai is also just really really quick to blame anyone but Rory <laughs> Yeah, she's very much. A, I mean, I was gonna say a Karen, but Karen's not the right term. It's more. She's very much like a white woman mom. In that yeah, area. like my child can do no wrong, kind of thing. Yeah. So like, she says something like, "Logan got you into this. You're in this mess because of him." Yeah. Luke did the same thing. Like, oh, she was with that Logan kid. He got her into this. You know. Yeah. So um, the, just like the bag boy from the supermarket, he always knew he was trouble. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it can never just be Rory's fault. And I think that also kind of gets to her at that point, you know? Like, she's trying very, very hard to explain to her mother, this was my idea, you know? Like, he ended up in prison because of me, not the other way around. It was a literal cry for help. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I understand Lorelai is very frustrated at this point, you know? She just had to pick up her daughter from the police station. And, like, her daughter is seemingly not talking to her and like very concerned with the guy that she's with that you already don't really like, you know? Yeah. Um, but she just comes across as really mean. Yeah, she's um, very it's, she's very cold, I find. It wouldn't like mean in a way, but to me, she just she registers as just cold and Yeah, so I think it starts off as cold in the car, and then when Logan calls the next morning, she's just flat out mean. Yeah. And like you can tell from her tone of voice just really wants to hurt him. Yeah. And that's to me also is when, at least in this episode, in this instance, when Lorelai's own past mistakes, trauma, insecurities really come out to play because there's so much of that to consider here in this episode. Um, you know, anywhere from she's upset that, you know, Rory is dating a boy like Logan and Logan is part of the world that she ran away from but you could there's also these little instances in more in Lorelai's tone where it signifies like oh before um Lorelai got pregnant as a teenager and ended up running away from that world like I always get the sense that she was she dated bad boys like Logan as a young teenager and like could have had that but ran still ran away from it and she knows what it's all about and so she's like she thinks she's this all-knowing power of where her daughter is in that world but you know the the age old the age old theme of the show is mother and daughter are not the same especially they they seem so alike they're best friends but they're not the same person yeah i mean <clears throat> there's also in this episode a really extreme um display of mother knows best yeah and you know throughout the show we've seen instances where lorelei does know rory best you know mm. um but the fact that she's just so unwilling to hear her out. Yeah. Like you said, you're seeing that fracture in real time, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's a mess. Because you, you like, you want to sympathize with both sides in a way. Like, that's the way that I always came into this episode where, 
you know, you can see where Rory's coming from. You can see where Lorelai's coming from. You can even see where Logan's coming from in some ways. But it always, like, it always ends up being that Lorelai set, says and does the wrong thing, unfortunately, and doesn't really live up. Like, it's just the ultimate hypocrisy for her as a parent and her, her like, mission statement as a mother was always, to, you know, not be like her own mother. And ultimately, I think she, she ends up pushing Lori away like her mother did to her. So I don't know what the moral of the story is there. Um we all become our mothers at the end of the day I oh guess. god hope not <laughs> oh please I have <laughs> when I'm in the car by myself sometimes I hear myself like you know yelling passive aggressive things at other drivers I'm like oh my god I'm literally my mother I'm yeah just... I think about once a week I have a moment where I'm like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I think so watching it now as an adult is very different than watching it um when you're younger because when you're younger I think when I was younger, I could see Lorelai's point of view mm-hmm. much more. And now as I watch it as an adult, I'm like, fuck you, Lorelai. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you and I, when we were younger, kind of had the same experience watching it, thinking like Lorelai's point of view hits home because I don't know. <laughs> We've discussed how our both our mothers would, would never let us stay home from school unless we were literally dying. So to me, it's the same kind of paradigm where we would expect our own mothers to have the same reaction of like, well, no, you, you can't quit school because that's not you. And that like they like they're coming from a place of love and concern, but it's ultimately not what we needed to hear. You know, so I think I, when you're when you're young, like the first time I would have watched this, I would have been 18. So like at that age, you know, I had a very strong reaction to this point in the show and still do. But for different reasons, I think I it's triggering all around, but it's especially triggering because I could I could see my own mother having that reaction. And I can especially see Mary having that reaction if you were to say that, would have said that to her at that age. Yeah, Mary would not fuck around. No. <laughs> so that whole plan at the end where Luke is like, you take day shift, I'll take night shift. My mom would have done that. Yeah. My mom would have executed that to perfection. And mm-hmm. I think, um, so two things. I think Lorelai, for Lorelai to have that reaction um to be so like viscerally upset is one because she thinks that her daughter is just basing all of this on one man's opinion yeah um so from that standpoint I kind of see it you know I'm like yeah you shouldn't base your entire life choices on what one idiot has to say right Mm -hmm. and the more you think about it the more I think she's kind of right like he didn't read any of your writing right Mm -hmm. He watched you flit around an office for two, three weeks, getting people coffee as interns do. Yeah. Right. So I get it. I get where she's coming from in that sense. But I also think her anger has more to do with the fact that. I mean, she even says in the episode she was supposed to have more than me. Yeah. So she's, I think, more angry that Rory is throwing away, in her mind, an opportunity that she never got. Yeah, she even says, like, when when they're, eat, when they're like, meeting outside of Wesson's for that scene where she says, I'm not going back to Yale next year. Um, I don't remember the exact the exact wording of Lorelai's line, but, you know, it's, it's a privilege. Like, she's like, you know, not everyone gets to go to college. Like, it's a privilege to have that opportunity, and she feels like she's throwing it away. And like that's that's valid, but at the same time, you you've always been the mother 
who who's who's pride herself on listening to exactly what her child needs and in this moment you're not doing that yeah I think that's where my anger at Lorelai comes from like you have always like you said prided yourself on being different from your mother I'm like breaking that generational curse as (laughs) you know yeah exactly and um you know not doing what you think is best like Emily did like Emily constantly goes against your wishes and does things behind your back because she thinks that she knows what's best for you. Yeah. Um, and you've always prided yourself on being different and, you know, being friends with your daughter and actually listening to her. And in this moment, like your daughter is clearly telling you something, you know, she's not even being subtle about it. And you're just not listening. You're like, you have to go to college. You have to like, just take a, my thing is just take a breath and listen to what she's saying. And I think again, going back to what you said you know, when you're, when you watch it, when you're, when you're younger and you, you can agree more with what Lorelai is saying. And I think it's because I want to say it was written that way on purpose, because I'm assuming it's, I'm going to go on a limb and say, it's not just you and me who can relate to having a mother who would react like that. So I think, you know, it's, it's kind of the, I think it was written that way on purpose to make it really seem like, oh, there's two sides to every story. And like, the the young like younger audience members could easily see their mom reacting that way and like especially if you haven't been in Rory's shoes yet or haven't been in that stage of life yet watching it like as an early teenager or something like of course you're gonna you're gonna want to think Lorelai is right because Lorelai is been the mother this whole time and you listen to your mom right and then you grow up and you realize wait a minute like as a fellow anxious overachiever with undi- who had undiagnosed anxiety for far too long, you you really then realize like Laura, like Rory is literally crying for help and nobody is listening at this. Like ultimately, her her grandparents end up listening, but we'll get to that. So a lot of thoughts on that too. Yeah, I mean, I think the point of meeting at Weston's and just having a calm conversation with her mother, like. I don't think Rory expected Lorelai to behave that way. Mm -hmm. I think Rory thought that Lorelai would be more understanding. Yeah. Um, And I think you can kind of see it on her face that she's a little bit shocked too by the reaction, you know? Yeah. Um, So, you know, watching it now, I'm kind of heartbroken for her because I'm like, all you're looking for is somebody like, honestly, I think, even if Lorelai had said everything that she had said and said, you can't not go back to school, like you have to go back to school, but at least said something like, listen, I understand you're a little bit lost. This was a blow, but you'll get through it. Like, I think if she had just been even a tad bit more understanding. Or just like a little bit more understanding, just compassionate. Like there was no compassion yeah. in, in Lorelai's reaction whatsoever. It almost um, seemed, it almost seemed like she was saying, it almost seemed like Lorelai thought it was an attack on her. Yeah, like she took it personally as if, you know, she sacrificed so much so her daughter could go to college or something, which I, she did, I guess. But it's not about you, you know, and that's like, and that's just what's so so hypocritical about it is that you're reacting like your mother, like Emily's generation of mothers would have. And like, that's your whole thesis statement as a parent has been going against that. That's just what's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we, we, we all know parents or have parents that it's like every decision you make, you're like, why are you trying to hurt me? It's like, <laughs> not about you. Yeah. God damn it. 
Yes. I don't know. That's I, I don't know if it's like a very Greek way of thinking of it. No, it's not kind of like it's kind of like there's there's you know, like no uh not to generalize, but you know, like the whole cliche of Jewish guilt. Yeah. Like I I don't like I I'm I'm I mean I know that's a real thing, but to me, like the 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 concept of Jewish guilt kind of exists in every family, in in my opinion. Like I don't know. I think I think every there's a bit of family guilt in every in in like every situation. So yeah, um, but it's it's a little bit weird because Lorelai has never operated that way. Her mother has, but she hasn't. Mm-hmm. So you know, Rory now being on the receiving end of it, I think is kind of shocking to her too. Yeah, like I don't think she went into that lunch or whatever dinner whatever it was at Weston's thinking like her and her mother would be bad you know I think maybe she thought like I honestly think that she doesn't want to go back to school which is fine but I thought she would I thought she would want Lorelai to like talk it out with her yeah and not in a way that felt very attacking Mm -hmm. more of a like let's have a conversation like why do you feel this way like You know, like Lorelai's given her pep talk so many times. Why couldn't this just be another pep talk? You know, I think back to season one where Rory got a D and she was like, I'm not cut out for Chilton, you know, and Lorelai stays up with her and studies with her. Like, where is that? Mm. Like, where was the, the, the supportive mom that was like, listen, I know you're feeling like this now. And trust me, I get like, you know, like just these words of wisdom that we've seen Lorelai dole out time and time again. It literally went from zero to 100 where she's like, well, what do you mean? You have to go to school. I never got to go to school. You have to go to school. Yeah. And that I think think that didn't help. So like even if she was on the fence about going back to school, I think the fact that you got so mad at her made her not want to go to school harder. Yeah. Like, you know what that kids do to spite their parents sometimes? Honestly, I think... Lorelai's reaction has been more or less carefully plotted throughout season five. Like I'm thinking back to the first night that Logan and Rory kind of spent together at the party that Richard and Emily had thrown for her where she broke up with Dean and then they drove her home in the limo. And you see like the episode ends with Lorelai kind of just with this, you know, look of fear slash what, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like look in her eyes as she watched her daughter stumble out of a limo wearing a tiara. Just like didn't like could sense that her that Rory might be falling too hard into her parents' world, and she didn't want that. And I think it's and I think it goes much deeper than just Lorelai not wanting Rory to be part of her parents' world. I think it just I think it goes I think it speaks a lot to just unresolved trauma from her own childhood. Like you think about it, like. <laughs> Lorelai's early life was pretty traumatic. So I until and until a year in the life when Emily and Lorelai go to therapy together, they don't really like they don't really resolve any of it. So I think a lot of it speaks to Lorelai's own teenage experience and how she didn't get to go to Yale and now she's watching her own daughter go to Yale, but Yale exists in her parents' world. And oh my gosh, do I want what do I want for my daughter in that world? And she's still, I think like this is just another instance of Lorelai still being a child in a lot of ways and not having grown up in a conventional sense. So uh, I don't know, but how do you, you know, how do you expect, how do you expect your mom to react when 
you know you've known her one way your whole life and now all of a sudden she has these own little traumas and insecurities of her own coming out to play so yeah I mean but I I I want to talk about the fact that like Lorelai is not the child in this relationship no Rory is yeah so like even though you have a bunch of unresolved childhood shit Mm -hmm. like you're also not the mother of a child who needs you yeah so figure it out (laughs) exactly and I know it's easier said than done obviously but like I wish that you know, you know when Lorelai's talking to Richard and Emily and she's like, oh no, we'll wait till Friday, give her some time to cool off, you know? I wish Lorelai had taken some time to cool off mm-hmm. and like figured her own shit out and been like, okay, well maybe we can talk to her a little bit like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, approach it in a different way, you know? She just went from, like I said, from zero to a hundred really quickly and mm-hmm. just never gave herself the opportunity to calm down and even no. put herself in her daughter's shoes, you know? I don't, again, I have to wonder if it was all about for her, like losing Rory to them, like the enemy, like the enemy being Logan, being Richard and Emily. Like that's why she not like she not really calmed down. Like I think the the rational Lorelai that we know from seasons past, like you said, would have spent, you know, t- taken the time to calm down, thought about where her daughter was coming from, and like talked it out with her rationally. But there was no. There was none of that here. It was just her rushing to her parents in a panic, saying, we can't let this happen. They agree. And I don't know. There's That's what I mean. Like The, the disconnect happens in real time. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, but I think my frustration is more about the fact that, like, you... It seems like everything Lorelai knows about her daughter goes out the window because she's mad. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know your daughter's a rational human being and will listen to reason kind of thing. Mm. But you automatically go on the attack, you know? And that didn't work out so well last time. Like, at the beginning of season five where you guys are just attacking each other, it didn't work out too well, you know? Nope. Um, and, like, I just, I hate when parents put their own shit on their kids. Which, again, is something that Lorelai never wanted to do as a parent, and now she is doing it. I know, but I think, like, it's so inevitable that she does it. Yeah. Because it's not the first time that she does it. But I think this is just, like, an extreme example. And I I walk away from this episode really, really hating Lorelai's character. And, you know, I've never even, whether it be on television or in real life, I've never known uh, a child and parent duo combination where the parent doesn't put their own unresolved shit on their kids. Like you can be the best parent in the world and still have some little demon from your childhood or your past that comes out to play when you're a parent. Like, I don't, I, you know what I mean? I don't know anybody who's never had that. I don't, I don't know anybody who's never struggled with their mom or their dad putting their own, their own personal shit onto your plate as if like, that's my problem. Like, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think, um, I think parents do that. I think it's inevitable that parents do that. Mm-hmm. But the problem that I have um, with this last episode and as things go on in season five, uh, six, excuse me, is that Lorelai is so blinded by her own anger and this whole woe to me attitude mm-hmm. that she's just unwilling to see for even just a second that she may be wrong. Yeah. She maybe went about things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. 
And she's just so hung up on like, my parents went behind my back and like Rory was supposed to, like, she's just so, so convinced that she was done wrong. Mm-hmm. And that like, so she never really, you know, there's never any, that's why I hate when they make up in season six, because there's no resolution. No. And like, like Lorelai became so attached to her own victimhood. It was like, she was the victim in all of that, even if she was, even if she knew she was the parent, but she was, there was that small little part of her who was still a little girl who felt like she was the victim, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's, that's, that's the character trait that I hated her of like being so stubborn mm. And like, it's one thing when you're like doing your petty arguments with Luke and you're, you're talking a mile a minute, but like, this is your child. And I ha- you, and you have to wonder the amount of times where Lorelai has played the victim like that throughout the show. Yeah. Like that to me too, is like a, is a trauma response from childhood. Like she, she must've always been the victim in that house, that big house as an only, as the only child of Richard and Emily Gilmore, you know? So go to therapy, please. <laughs> I know. I hate that it takes them so long to get them in therapy. It's and that's, but I think that's also telling because you know, like, for a fa- like a family dramedy on the WB in the two thousands, like therapy and mental health wasn't wasn't niche or acceptable yet. You know, so the only time we really see Lorelai go to therapy or have any kind of like professional counsel <laughs> on the original series is. Um, in season six when they have that little therapy session in the car at her parents in her parents driveway with the therapist yeah but if you Um, remember even that episode and i know we're skipping ahead but even in that episode she says something along the lines of like oh the gilmores don't talk about their feelings we don't go to therapy blah blah blah. as if like that's only an emily and richard problem like bitch where are your therapy sessions yeah exactly you're not perfect so i think it made sense by like so like enough time had gone by like you know, there was a bit less stigma around mental health when 2006, in 2016, when A Year in the Life came out. So I think it, it only made sense. That, like, okay, we're here now. We're doing the show again. Like, Emily and Laura like, need to get in therapy. Like, you know, I think that was just really good writing on ASP's part. Yeah, no, I think um, I I honestly could have watched four 90-minute episodes of them in therapy. Oh, absolutely. That would have been because better. Because there's than what, so much trauma to unpack there. That would have been better than what, than what the actual miniseries was. <laughs> like, fuck your musical. Give me therapy. Oh, Lord. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that. But... but I did have one other thing to mention just on the subject of Rory dropping out of school, which I like. I would have noticed in the past, but I noticed it more this time watching. Mm-hmm. Um was also the disconnect between her and Logan as she's coming to terms with what happened with his dad and her like deciding she wants to, she wants to take time off from school and re you know refresh with re what's the word you know reconnect with herself right. um so you know Logan when she gets back to Yale Logan is waiting outside her dorm he's like what did he do I spoke to your mom like assume like just knowing that her dad his dad pulled something and caused caused trouble and they're talking and he's basically kind of mirrors what Lorelai says in a way of like oh this is like this is what my dad does like basically confirming like his dad can be a piece of shit like don't listen to don't don't only listen to him like he's an asshole and then skip you know jump forward to 
Lorelai and Rory at Weston's and she says like Logan didn't disagree. So out of all the things that L- Logan was telling her about how much his dad can be an asshole and just like fuck that guy. What she took from that was Logan didn't disagree with what his dad said. So like that to me in that moment, all Rory is thinking about is like, oh my gosh, who am I? What am I doing? Is that is, Does everybody think I'm a fraud? Like she's just like, that's like a cry for help. Like she, just, she, she and herself is having her own very personal, intimate, internal reaction to what happened with Mr. Huntsberger. And yeah, okay, maybe it's immature in some ways, but you know, she's however old she is now. And like, that's a very young adult, doesn't know anything about the real world or life. And for a kid who was, you know, raised from age three, apparently dreaming of Harvard, because, you know, that's totally normal. Okay. And, you know, like she she needed, she finally needed to just sit with herself and not be striving for something. But would would Lorelai support that? No. Yeah, I mean, one of these days we're going to have a conversation about how similar Lorelai and Logan are. Yeah. Um, Because what they're saying to her in this episode is practically identical. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the fact, like you said, I think the fact that Rory only took away from it, like, what she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Number one, yes, major cry for help. But number two is, like... That should have been Lorelai's first clue that, like, she's not thinking rationally right now, you know? Yeah. Like, as the gays say, she's in her feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, she's clearly going through something, you psycho. Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, we don't see a lot of... So in this episode, at least, we don't see the uh, Logan's reaction to Rory quitting school. Mm-hmm. Um, We see the aftermath in um the first episode of season six. And I'm, I have things to say about that, but I think, what do you think of the way Logan handled the situation with Rory? I think it could, like, I think he did, he did the best that he could have given this, given the situation and especially the way in which Rory kind of says to, both to him and to her mother that, you know, it was me who, who, made who made you steal a steal a yacht it wasn't logan's idea um i think i don't know i think logan wasn't like overstepping his bounds too much but, but was also clarifying like listen my dad's a my dad's a piece of shit like don't take to heart what he says and clearly clearly rory has so i don't know it could have been like Maybe she met Christiane Amanpour and she said, hey, you're you're a piece of shit journalist. Don't do this. Like, it could have been anybody. It could have been like, I don't know, the school librarian. Like, oh, but, you know, I don't think you have what it takes. Like, what are you shitting on librarians for? You know, you know what I mean? Like, it could have been anybody. Like, Yeah, I know what you're saying. (laughs) It could have been anybody, any person in some kind of sense of authority who says like, hey, you're not cut out for this. And like, I know what that was like. Like, I'm still kind of like that. I still think you know, adults who are older than me, like anybody else who has like more world experience than I have, like, I always think they're, they're all knowing. And if they say like, oh, they, they, they see this and know this about me, then that, then that must be true. Like it it takes me, took took me so long to get over that and work through that. So it it makes sense that Rory has the same inclination of an, uh, an adult with more world experience, especially someone who knows journalism supposedly like Mitchum Huntsberger does like it makes sense to me that she would take that to heart so what was the question again 
I asked you how you think Logan handled it. I think he, like, I don't know. I think he handled it well. I don't know. I think he could have danced around the fact like, oh, well, you know, my dad is a hard ass, you know, just don't think, don't think, don't think too much about it. But, you know, he was passionate about like, what did he do? Like, he's a piece of shit. Don't listen to him. I mean, I think at this point, Logan knows who his dad is, right? Mm-hmm. And even when a couple of episodes back, Rory was asking him for advice, you you knew he was like reluctant because he doesn't have the best relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. I think after um, visiting her at the newspaper, yeah, and like seeing her happy and like thriving in this environment and like this is exactly what she wanted i think maybe he was happy for her yeah and started to think that okay this might work out Mm -hmm. even though like he he probably offered it not with the best intentions you know the internship mitchum yeah and then i think like when it was confirmed to him that his father was exactly who he knew he was it was like a letdown for him too, you know? Yeah. More so because he didn't want to disappoint Rory. And the fact that Mitchum was exactly who Logan knew he was to someone that he cares about so much. Like he even says that you're my girlfriend. He should have treated you better. Exactly. Exactly. Because it, I think in Logan's mind, he's like, even if she is the shittiest journalist in the world, you know, that's your son's girlfriend. Don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. I agree. You know? And by the way, I don't think that Logan thinks that Rory's a bad journalist. I think, you know, they've had plenty of conversations where you can tell that Logan's in awe of her, of her mm-hmm. and her smarts and her everything, you know, like. So, again, the fact that she says, like, Logan kind of agrees with him, like, girl, get out of your head. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> she's spiraling. <laughs> Clearly. OK, let's talk about Lorelai going over to Emily and Richard's house. Oh boy. Okay. Um to get them on board with a plan. Uh. So I think it's really telling that again it comes back to the Huntsburgers. Like she literally starts this conversation with, I know you think the Huntsburgers are the best people ever. And I'm like, why does it have to come back to them? Like again, you're not believing your child <laughs> that nope. she told you like it had nothing to do with Logan. Mm-hmm. But you're so annoying. <laughs> and like it also should have been a red flag now that I think about it, that the only like the only people Lorelai can think of in the moment who are gonna back her on this are her own parents. Like the the parenting style you swore against. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I think like in her mind she was always like desperate times, come for desperate measures, like yeah. call for desperate measures. Um I think <clears throat> I think part of Lorelai realized she was being like her parents mm-hmm. in that moment. And she was like, well, you know, who's always been really good at getting me to do things I didn't want to do was my parents, <laughs> Emily and Richard. Yeah. You know, so if anyone's going to coerce her to go back to school, it's Emily and Richard. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I'm going to learn to fight like they fight. How'd and I think she knows you? that it's wrong. Yeah. But, um, but again, I think the the fact that she just always keeps coming back to the Huntsburgers is just like, how many more ways can Rory tell you this was my fault? This was my doing. She sat her down at Weston's and was like, I don't want to go back to school anymore. Like, I am lost. I'm not feeling it. It's like mm-hmm. the Huntsburgers are terrible people. Bitch, what? 
<laughs> it's again the, the, like this whole concept of Rory, beautiful Roriana Pattis look and do no wrong. I know, but we've talked about it before. That could be really damaging to a person. Which clearly it was. That's what that's what le- that's what led her here. Like, if anything, Lorelai, you made her steal a yacht. Yep. God. By the way, how do you even get caught stealing a yacht? I don't know. Like maybe maybe they were terrible at driving it, like the Coast Guard found them. I don't know. Or like presumably the guy whose yacht it is. Is he there? Like, the only way I can see that he reports it missing is, like, he went to the marina to take his own yacht out, and he's like, where the fuck's my yacht? Yeah. I'm, but probably... other than that, how did you get caught? Yeah, it was probably that. Ugh, anyways, whatever. You idiots. But also, Rory, next time do something less self-destructive. Yeah. I mean, that was... Like, little... I don't know, go steal a... I don't know. Go steal something from a bookstore <laughs> yeah like go shoplift a chapstick or something you know <laughs> do something less dangerous or like paris going wild before the end of chilton and getting a nose piercing and exactly having... <laughs> go poke a third hole into your nose and have it become wildly infected exactly get a haircut do something what did she tell paris at the end of season three she was like like i, I meant, meant- like, you know- I meant like go go see three movies, buy a new purse. Don't yeah, something like Like it would have been really great for you to take your own advice, Rory. Yeah, but yeah, I get it. You're not feeling like yourself. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Rory then going to Richard and Emily. No, just Richard. Because mm-hmm. part of me is like Rory knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah, because she knows Richard cannot say no to her. Yeah. Like, she knows the effect that she has on that man, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But another part of me is, like, what other adult does she have in her life, right? Yeah. She's never really needed another adult because Lorelai was always, you know, the only person she needed because she was understanding and her friend and could listen to her. But now the only person that she's ever needed is kind of turning against her and she doesn't know where else to go. Right. And I think she really was, like, starved for comfort. Yeah. And she knew Richard would give her comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the fact that she went to Richard makes complete sense. Like, a last-ditch effort for someone to actually hear me. Yeah, she needed a fucking hug, Lorelai. <laughs> yeah, I think the way in... Like, I don't know. Do you think... Like Rory went over to her grandparents' house looking for Richard, or it just happened that Richard was the one there. So I think she went looking for anyone that would listen to her. Yeah, and I think the fact that she fell on Richard was a good thing mm-hmm. because I definitely think Emily would have listened and comforted her, but she knows the effect she has on Richard. She knows Richard. She has a. She knows Richard has a soft spot for her. Yeah. I think when Richard opened the door, she was probably relieved. Mm -hmm. But I do think she went there looking for any kind of comfort, looking for anyone to hear her out because clearly her mother was not willing to give her that. Yeah. So I think she just really needed somebody to vent to. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it happened to be Richard was good because she could also break down. Because I don't picture her breaking down like that in front of Emily. No, I think she would have like, you know, tried her best to 
articulate what she was going through to Emily and then maybe had to start crying. And Emily was like, uh, Richard, Roy needs a hug. I mean, I don't know. We've seen Emily be comforting before, right? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like season one with Strobe and Francine. Fucking Strobe. I'm even thinking of like now she's like, Graciola, come hug Rory. <laughs> yeah, seriously. By the way, what was up with this maid? I don't even know. I've <laughs> I'm never surprised anymore. Every time I rewatch, I'm like, who, who, what, who, who do you, who does she hire as these? Like, no wonder she fires them. Like, get a get a better agency. Seriously, but anyways, um, yeah. So I just I really think she went there because she had nowhere else to go. Because she's already convinced herself in her head that Logan thinks she's trash. Yeah. And her mother's clearly not listening. Um, I often wonder why she didn't go to Lane. Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, Lane would have just, I don't know. I think she, I, I think Lane would have, wouldn't have known what to do. She would have, she would have known how to comfort her and, you know, give her a hug and say, you know, I'm here for you, but in terms of where to go next, like Lane would have not, wouldn't have had an answer. Yeah. So maybe she went to the Gilmores because they've always been very practical people. Mm-hmm. So they could at least like give her a plan of action, shall we say? Yeah. Which is exactly what happened. Um, the plan ends up being, which by the way, if you take away the fact that they went behind Lorelai's back. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really great plan, I think. Yeah, and I because think... the plan is give her the summer to kind of cool off. We'll keep an eye on her. We'll take care of the criminal case, whatever. And hopefully, by the time the semester rolls around, she'll have seen reason. You know, like she'll be so bored, kind of thing that she'll want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Like whether you do that at their house in Hartford or at Stars Hollow, I think that's the right move. Yeah. I think, like, honestly, I think if Lorelai had just told her from the beginning, okay, let's say you don't want to go back to school in the fall. Fine. Take the summer. Think about it. Work on your stuff. Like, see if you can, like, just, I think if Lorelai had told her anything, it would have been better than what she did. Yeah, I agree. So the fact that, like, Richard and Emily were willing to say to her, okay, great, like, you don't have to go back, but you can stay here. We'll get you a job so you're not, like, idle. You'll, you know, you'll work. You'll be under this roof, whatever. And then we'll see. We'll reevaluate when September comes around. That's a great plan. Lorelai Gilmore translation, we are taking your daughter from you and we are going to indoctrinate her into our world. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying of, like, she lets her anger blind her. Because if she just stopped playing the victim for two seconds, mm-hmm. I think she would realize that, like, that's actually a solid plan. And you can tell so much that Lorelai is playing the victim when, like, they sit her down and, like, the camera kind of, like, zooms in on her face when they tell her. And it's, like, so dramatic. And, um, you know, Richard says, the girl came to me, Lorelai. Like, I was listening to her. And it's like, oh, she says, I'm butchering it. But, you know, she says, like, oh, that actually works on you sometimes. Meaning, like, implying that, Lorelai either tried that when she was a kid or, you know, had a history of her parents not listening to her. Like, they're like the way that Richard and Emily are listening to Rory is a way that they never listened to Lorelai. And that's just 
like I understand why that's so hurtful for Lorelai. But again, like you said, you're a parent now. Like, yeah, it's you, not about you, you right now. You might have your own unresolved childhood trauma that's really coming out to play here. But it's your daughter who needs help right now. Like, yeah, no, I think in her mind, she's just thinking like, once again, I've come to my parents, I've been honest with them, and they they've fucked me over without realizing like. They're not doing it just to fuck you over. They're doing it because they think it's what's best for your child. But and like, she can't you're not, see that and part. you're not 16 anymore. You know, yeah. grow up. She can't see that part though. She's just like, they're doing this to spite me. Yeah. And it's like, no, you ding dong. <laughs> and I'm sorry. The whole thing of like her watching her unpack her books is so mm. unnecessarily dramatic. Right. It's so melodramatic. Like she's not on her deathbed. But that's how they make it seem. And like, it was, to me, it was such a long time coming. Like, especially, like, there was so much foreshadowing to this moment, especially for Lorelai from the very beginning of the show. It was like, Lorelai, or Rory going to Chilton and then them having to go to Friday night dinner was just Rory's entrance into the world that Lorelai ran away from. And it was all about that. And like, this moral panic that Lorelai had over losing her daughter to that world. And like, that's, it all became all about that. And only when then when it actually happened, so to speak, like, let's say, you know, for argument's sake, Lorelai has now lost her daughter to that world. Like, okay, it happened. What are you going to do about it? Go home and cry? Like, figure it out. But also, this whole, like, losing her daughter to that world, would it be the end of the world? No. She, to Lorelai, so you know, Yeah, I know. So, you know that scene in um in the first season where Lorelai finds no sorry where Rory is snowed in at the Gilmore house mm-hmm. and finds um an old picture of Lorelai in her cotillion dress yes and the elder Gilmore's act as if like Lorelai's died yeah so I always found that very dramatic I'm sure you did too yeah dramatic and but also accurate like i've seen people react that way like i've always i was always the kid who liked pulling out old photo albums and be like oh who's that and you just tell like when the body language the body language would shift like oh that's so and so and then they would like change the subject immediately you know yeah okay but this is their daughter yeah i know (laughs) who everyone in the room knows yeah and who everyone in the room knows has a good life now you know what i mean yeah but i always thought that reaction was super dramatic and i think this is like the Lorelai equivalents yeah for sure like I don't even recognize my own child anymore mm-hmm. she's part of that world and it's like oh grow up you psychopath mm-hmm. I can't I can't do it I think she's just such an asshole in this episode <laughs> and it's honestly funny. you're gonna hear me say it a lot during season six I think she's selfish I think um I, I I genuinely think she's being a bad parent. Oh yeah, for sure. But there's there's many instances where she's a bad parent throughout the show. I think this just one. No, this- but this is like her worst one yet. And the reason why it's so shitty, I think, like to me, is because there isn't any kind of resolution. Yeah, I agree. Like there's no apology. There's no uh, mention of it. There's just like we hug and that's it. Hmm. Anyways, I don't know. Um, I don't even want to talk about Lane in the band, but I think we have to. Why? Isn't it fun how Mrs. Kim just like jumps into action? She's like, I didn't raise no quitter. 
I mean, the problem is that, like, I just don't give a fuck. In light of everything else that's happening? No, just in general, I do not care that Lane is in a band. Like, you think that they've, they've, drawn, they've drawn it out too long in terms of that being her only, like, hook as a storyline? So I think a lot of people talk about how, like, the downfall of Lane's character happened when she married Zach and got pregnant. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it as happening way earlier. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, the fact that we have all this drama going on and you thought that I would be satisfied with you giving me, like, two minutes of Lane and the band and Mrs. Kim and, like, Zach playing video games and Brian. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, especially since, like, they were at, largely absent from the last few episodes. Like, yeah, okay, cool. Just bring forever. Back. Yeah. Like, what makes you think I'm interested now? I don't give a shit that you're going on tour in this stupid little van. I think what I, I think what I just like most about it is how against Mrs. Kim was over that whole part of Lane's lifestyle or whatever. And, you know, her just coming home and saying, listen, I don't think it's working out. Like, maybe I should just move back home. And she's realizing, you know what? No, you chose to break, again, the generational curse. You chose to... Uh, set out on your own. I didn't raise a quitter. Like you have to stick to it, and I don't know. Yeah, I so think I there think... was some. I think there was something touching in there. <laughs> yes, so I think that part of it is endearing. Mm-hmm. So I do like the fact that Mrs. Kim is like, no, you said you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. Like fuck you. Yeah. Um. So I like that part of it, but you can't like almost erase a character for four episodes and then throw me back into their world. As if I'm going to give a shit. Considering, like, we see more of Taylor in this. Right? Than we do of Lane. Like, I think the whole thing was badly managed. Like, she just always feels like an afterthought. She's more of an afterthought than Kirk is. Like, Kirk had more of a storyline in season five than, than Lane did. Like, I just don't understand. It's like, we... Uh, it's ex- especially upsetting because they spent all of season four kind of building up to this big courageous moment of her standing up to her mother which was great all for it to kind of like disintegrate and fall apart and i'm like okay yeah she's living with the band cool i what do you think a shit what do you think would have been a more satisfying storyline for lane in season five in your opinion i mean like would it have killed them to have her play more gigs yeah, like, or see her being out and happy and more, more like tra- just Traveling, going places. Like, she never leaves Stars Hollow. She never leaves the diner. Yeah. We're talking about, like, grocery shopping and, like, sandwiches and Gil's fucking delivery boy. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Or her walking home in the rain after getting cleaning supplies and seeing. Yeah, yeah it's just. Like, you couldn't have given me one thing of even them just like playing at a house party yeah there's nothing wrong with with a small ass life like that but at the same no, time, but like we, we were all to we believe... all know we all know lane was destined for more right yeah and we were meant to believe with just such such a big build-up in season four that like it was gonna be for something you know like let us live in our fantasy a little bit you have her going to get fucking cleaning supplies and that being the highlight of her month <laughs> Jesus Christ, I want to yeah. kill myself. When you look back on it, like after a whole season, especially like a season like season five, it's just so clear how how dirty they, they did her character. 
Ugh. I really hate them. And then the way they choose to make up for it, like fuck you. Do you think Kiko or Jenna will come on our podcast and 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 have feelings about this? No, she's way too like classy. I think she's over it. But she's also been asked a million times about Lane's character, and she keeps finding new and creative and classy ways to avoid it. Yeah, well, because she's like, her lack of better term, Gilmore Girls kind of was it for her, so. No, not it for her, but like it put her on the map. So um, she's not going to go in an interview and say like, well, you know, they kind of didn't use me very much and like pull a Catherine Heigl or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I always get so upset. Um, Like I haven't rewatched this episode a lot. Well, no, because it's triggering and it's frustrating and it's- It's super ugh. triggering. <laughs> but- um. It's really, really triggering, but it's also just like, I kind of forget sometimes, like it's easy to like pick apart the pregnancy and the wedding storyline because it is just so blatant and in your face bullshit. But when you think about her character and her story as a whole, Mm -hmm. like, oh girl, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. Like from my memory, I think like season six is a bit more interesting lane wise, but overall her story her her story arc was just a disaster. The whole thing is a disaster. And you know, fun fact, just based on you saying this episode is frustrating and triggering you and you haven't watched it in a while. Before this podcast and before the pandemic, um, anytime I would rewatch Gilmore Girls, my rewatch would usually end at the end of season five, just because I would be so angry and made so frustrated by it i remember i would text you about it and like these those passionate conversations we would have over text before we started the podcast was probably what inspired some of your dreams that then in turn inspired the podcast so um i think back then i was much more on lorelei's side of things in terms of um her her parents kind of double crossing her and Lorelai and kind of knowing how things would turn out with Rory living with them and yeah obviously she knew how it turned out because she lived with her parents and she knows how they are but it's just it was a whole different thing that was going on and I was I was kind of in my own feelings about it so I think that's why I was always kind of on Lorelai's side but now I see she just didn't react in the way that her her daughter needed her to it's okay you were wrong (laughs) oh shut up (laughs) yeah I was wrong there you go you were wrong. I was a little younger. We're going back like four or five years. I would have been like close to, closer to Rory's age at that time. So I wouldn't have had, you know, I didn't wouldn't I hadn't done as much as much emotional soul searching as I had done as I've done since then. So you were wrong. It's okay. Fine. Shut up. You're wrong with a lot of things too. That's true. <laughs> I am, but not this. No, but she, you know, she was wrong about Angela Lansbury being dead before wow. she actually died. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is the woman dead now? Yeah, she is. But you didn't come to my house with a boo-boo-zilla when she died. Well, I was still in Toronto, wasn't I? <laughs> Would you have though? Yes. <laughs> I would have done a drive-by just to tell you. Oh, shut up. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Luke and um when he goes to the inn. Ugh, okay. Because this is also a very big, like frustrating thing for me. Okay. Um. So he sees the gift basket or whatever 
that the guy Mike Armstrong left. Right. And he just completely forgets that he encouraged the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, which we all remember, by the way. I actually forgot, like until we until I was taking notes that um like there was an, a second mention of Mike Armstrong after the, the episode with the meeting and then nothing ever comes of it. But we do actually get one more one more glimpse of what could have been, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this is also really frustrating because it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but we find out that Lorelai did take the meeting with Mike Armstrong. Yeah. And he's trying to like woo her and sends her fucking euros, which is weird. <laughs> Let me just send you cash. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. But then he he either forgets or is in denial about the fact that he encouraged her to take this meeting. And he's like, I don't know, you took a meeting. When did you take a meeting? You're talking about this, you're mulling it over. What the hell? Oh boy. And it's like projecting much. You haven't told her that you bought a fucking house. <laughs> right? Are you serious right now? I know. What about the kids? <laughs> what kids, you psychopath? Oh my god. It's just, that's the, the, like Luke is more of a disaster than Lane in this episode. Ugh. Like honestly, I look back at this episode and I cringe for Luke. It's just because it's I'm not, like it's not good. It's not good. None of it is romantic. Like, I've seen people saying, like, oh, my God, he's thinking about having kids with her. That's amazing. And I'm like, no. 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 Because just screaming out, what about the kids? What? Like, what? Have you guys had a conversation? No. No. (laughs) Oh, the whole thing is just so cringy. And I don't understand, especially, like, again... Let's journey back all the way to the beginning of season five when he's like, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Okay, fine. Fuck. Then have a conversation about your expectations from this point in your life and this relationship. Then you want kids? Then talk about that with her. Don't just buy a house and then say, cool, let me impregnate you with more children. Impregnate you. I mean, <laughs> I think. So in theory, when you say something like I'm all in. That's great. But there's just such a disconnect between like what you think being all in is and actually being all in. Yeah. Because being all in and, um, you know, making a relationship work is not about doing things half-assed, not communicating, going behind each other's backs, assuming that the person you're in a relationship with wants a house and wants more kids. Like, Lorna has a 21-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. What if she turned to you and said, like, oh, I don't want more kids? <laughs> then you're just, like, stuck with this house and, like, like what? <laughs> I'm just so, I'm so frustrated. Like, of all the things, like, I understand that there needs to be something to break up a couple to keep people invested. Um... But of all the stupid tropes, the miscommunication trope is the the dumbest. Well, it's one that Gilmore Girls relies on a lot, so I think yeah. that's where, by this point in the show, we're just we're exhausted. Like we've seen so much miscommunication between Suki and Jackson, between um, Christopher and Lorelai, and ugh, just move it along. Like find something else. And 
ultimately they kind of rely on it to the till their dying breath because then we get April in season six and we all know how that goes and blah blah blah. So it's it's just screaming what about the kids <laughs> is not a way to convey to your partner that you want to move in with them and have more kids. <laughs> Like that's the first he said anything about it, you know. And she's she's so confused. She's like, "What are you talking? What kids?" And he's like, "I gotta go." Oh, I'm dear. like, "Oh, that's mature." <laughs> oh my god, I can't, I can't do it. No wonder he's single and a hermit. Just by the way, for anyone listening who might be part of the you know sector of the fan base that believes that it was April who broke up uh, Luke and Lorelai, there was red flags from the very beginning okay there was red flags planted meticulously throughout season five that led up to them breaking up in season six so yeah, like screaming what about the kids in her face evaluate reevaluate your uh your opinions please <laughs> and also like thank god he could get out of the house right like what did you think I'm I'm just I'm so baffled. And I think in any large city, like he would have been stuck with it. I think it was just because it was Stars Hollow and who the fuck else is gonna want this house. So okay, cool. We can we can, you know, void that check you sent us or something. I mean, you no, know? you you do have a backing out period. Oh, you do? Okay. When you buy a house. But it's yeah. like, but but it still goes to show you, like, it's a fucking house. It's not a trinket from the dollar store that you can return. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't want to return it. No, bitch. <laughs> it's a whole goddamn house. Oh, God. Which, you know, and the fact that it ends, the the, the the season ends with this proposal from Lorelai to Luke. It's just, they're both such messes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they're just such disasters. And it's just like, will you marry me? Like, oh, God. Like, you know, rewatching it now and having discussed all the red flags throughout the season leading up to this moment it's like oh god like no yeah. baby no <laughs> yeah so i want to talk about this proposal this quasi proposal because i remember watching it and being like oh my god so romantic <laughs> and now i'm like Ugh. <laughs> now i'm just like what was i on <laughs> well you would have been you were like a teenager. What do you? What, what would you have known? <laughs> I was twelve. Um, <laughs> but I remember thinking, like, I remember when the the credit when it said like Amy Sherman Palladino, and that was the cliffhanger. I was like, oh my fuck! And just thinking, like, like a lot of people still do. I think mm-hmm. that in that moment, Lorelai saw a man who cared so much about her daughter that was willing to do anything to like help her get her daughter back on track and her just blurting it out because she couldn't spend one more moment without him. Okay. Now, That's romantic in theory, but continue. Okay. Well now I look at it and I'm like, Lorelai's coming from her parents' house where she, in her mind has just been betrayed. Mm. She is in front of somebody who is like, for lack of a better term, seeing it her way. Yeah. She's she's not speaking to her parents anymore. She's not going to be speaking to Rory. And I think just like Rory needed comfort when she went to Richard, she just needs comfort in this moment. And she just blurts it out. Yeah. 
She's not thinking about marriage. There's no doubt in my mind that Lorelai never thought of marriage before this moment. Yeah, like it was just an impulse. Like, I mean, maybe when she was trying on the dresses, like putting them up to her chest Mm -hmm. with Miss Celine. Yeah. Maybe for like the briefest moments. Mm -hmm. But there is no doubt in my mind that she never seriously thought about marriage. And then she's hurt. She doesn't have anyone. She feels broken. And here's Luke, who's always kind of been there for her, talking about how he's not going to let her stray. And she's just like, ah, marry me. The same man who earlier that day was, what about the kids? Yeah. (laughs) That's not a recipe for disaster at all. No, this is the stupidest fucking proposal in the world. You'd never know listening to this episode that we're fans of this show. <laughs> I love this show, by the way. <laughs> but what a stupid fucking episode. No, it's and it's it's not it's it's a it's a like you said, they were both, I think Luke was obviously in his own type of feelings, having invested however much time in buying this house and thinking like, oh, it'll, you know, once I get out of the house, she'll want to have kids or whatever, whatever the hell in Luke's brain he Who thought the getting- fuck even knows what's going on in Luke's yeah. brain? Whatever the hell he thought getting the house would prompt in Lorelai, he was spending a lot of time thinking about it. So he too was in his ceilings. And then, you know, Lorelai, like you said, is hurt, vulnerable, playing the victim and feels like she doesn't have her parents, she doesn't have her daughter. And then like, oh my God, will you marry me? Yeah, like- it's the most impulsive thing to ever happen on the sh- it's more impulsive than stealing a yacht yeah and like watching it with adult eyes having you know analyzed the show in minute detail up until this point it's like what yeah <laughs> no it's terrible it's fucking terrible oh boy yeah it's, terrible. I- it's it's the kind of thing like she blurted it out essentially because she doesn't want to think of all the bad things in her life yeah <clears throat> That's it. That's the only reason she blurted it out. And you know, a lot of season six, you know, like the I'll say like the second half of season six, um, spends a lot of time on whether or not Lorelai is finally ready to make the plunge into marriage because you know she got engaged to Max and like clearly never considered the fact that she would have to marry the person once you accept the proposal of marriage. Yeah, idiot. So I, th- you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of time in season six devoted to Lorelai's emotional state and well-being of like oh what do I want do I actually want to marry Luke like if I wanted to marry him wouldn't I have done it by now and then at least you know jumping ahead spoilies you know like leading up to the end of season six where she again makes an impulse decision of let's just drive away and get married and elope and whatever like it doesn't think like none of this none of the relationship until this point signifies two emotionally competent, capable, mature grown-ups. Oh, they're mm-hmm. the most immature little idiots ever. Right? And, like, I think that's sadly what is their appeal. Like, that's what, like, people see themselves, people see themselves in those stupid little vulnerable, impulsive moments and that's what people misconstrue as, ro- as being romance. And sadly, it's toxic, baby. Toxic. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, if it were up to me, I know you need something to like end your season on. Mm-hmm. 
Like they needed something big. But Jesus Christ. Why this? I don't know. To me, that cliffhanger just seemed like let's just whip it in for 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 good measure. I don't like they could have been planning that for however long like that they knew that that's how they wanted this this season to end. But to me, after all of that's happened, like there's so much left unsaid. There's so much like family drama going on with the Gilmores. And then it's like, will you marry me? Like, I think it would have been a much, yeah, I think it would have been a much better ending to the episode just having Lorelai stare at Rory. Yeah. And then do like a fade to black because that's enough. Mm -hmm. Like, that's enough to keep people hooked. Like, if you're, if you've been on this show since season one, Mm -hmm. It's been five years of them being best friends. Yeah. And this being the first instance of them not getting along, not speaking. That's enough to hook you in for season six. Yeah. Like I said, I don't like know. You didn't need the theatrics of this impulsive, dumb proposal. I have to wonder if, like I said, they, they were thinking earlier earlier on at the end of the season would be this cliffhanger of a, of a, of a proposal, not knowing that there would be, there would have been enough drama without it. Like, like you said, just, her watching through the window and then fade to black. That would have been the perfect season ender. And that that in itself is a cliffhanger. Like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen to Rory and Lorelai in, in next, you know? So, I don't know. Right now, it just reads as sloppy and let's just whip it in there for fun. It's dumb. That's what it is. It's fucking it's dumb. dumb. <laughs> okay? But do remember, we do love this show. <laughs> we do love this show. I know it doesn't sound like it, but we do love this they're show. Just dumb. They're just dumb sometimes. And when you love something, you can call them out on being dumb. Exactly. The beauty As... of it having aired 19... You know what? Oh, don't make me do math. 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Oh, I wasn't that far off. The beauty of that is you can look back on it now and just rip it to shreds. Yeah. Why not? Especially when you've seen it enough times. Let's just... that's. The... You know, you know, you know that the love is real when you've seen a show enough times to be like, the fuck is this? Like, what? What did it? What? No. Why? Especially when you like you, you love it so much. It's like this is garbage. What about the kids? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know the love is real when you when you love it enough to to call it garbage. Does that exactly. make sense? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I agree. Yes. Is there anything else we should talk about in this episode? Oh, I think we got through all of my points. Did you have anything else to mention? No. Well, thank you so much for listening to this season of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Shall I tell them where they can find us? Yes. You can follow us on tweeters because we're not calling it anything else but that. Uh, at Gilmore Podcast. On Instagram and threads at Gilmore Girls Podcast. You can email us, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also subscribe to our email newsletter. The last edition of this season will be going, will be coming out with this podcast episode. Um, in our newsletter, we, you know, get into all the stuff that de- all the tea that doesn't get discussed on the podcast and what we're reading, watching, listening to at the moment. And you can subscribe to this newsletter called Lunch at Luke's at gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com that's gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com and uh, we'll have some goodies some bonus stuff coming up yes we have some bonus content up our sleeves to keep you well fed before season six starts um but we're gonna wait until i'm less congested yes please (laughs) because i sound like shit
don't actually sound that bad. I've sounded worse on on the podcast, I think. Oh, good. That's a comfort. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But thank you again so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. Bye.